This one, this was a game changer for me. When I learned what a thought was, what do you think a thought is? I'm not saying where it comes from, but what do you think a thought is? So when you go to the gym, what happens? What happens to your body? What's happening? What, what, what are some of the, the effects? Your heart rate okay. accelerates. And what else? You sweat. You sweat. Think of, think of uh, the, a thought as the mind's way of sweating. A thought is the mind's way of releasing stress. Isn't that amazing? So people who, th who are overthinking, they're just under a lot of stress. And so what they're doing is, is they start thinking about, oh my God, I'm thinking this thought and this is a bad thought and, they, and it just becomes, so you're getting more and more stressed. So if, can you imagine if you were on a treadmill and you just kept going, you kept going and you just kept chasing it and chasing it and chasing it? You'd like, you'd probably eventually have a heart attack. Sure. So a thought is literally just the mind's way of releasing stress. So, the, so in, an, in a meditation session, you shouldn't be mad if you have a lot of thoughts because it is a it is a wonderful thing it's an absolutely wonderful thing because it's your mind's way of releasing the stress that you have because you're obviously think compulsively thinking and that mind needs to get rid of it so let it go let it flow and then it'll always be there but it'll be there as a little distant murmur and and it's 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 like i said I, why i am so um so enthusiastic about it is because of what it did, it transformed my life. And welcome to our Milestone 100th episode of American Real, where this week we bring back our original guest from episode one, Anthony Bernelli. Anthony and I sit down for a two-hour conversation where he brings us up to date with his artwork. He's working on some challenging nature scenes. Then we go into a deep conversation about transcendental meditation and how it's helped Anthony in his life. In this episode, we spent a lot of time talking about thoughts and what a thought is and how he describes it as your mind's way of releasing stress. Our conversation was so valuable that we're bringing it to you in two separate episodes. So sit back and relax as we bring you episode 100 with Anthony Brunelli.
This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Tony Bernelli, artist, good friend, and our 100th episode. Wow. Tony, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I wanted to surprise you with that. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a reason I called you today and said, can we do an interview? Because I knew this was number 100 and wow. I wanted to make it really special. That's great. Uh, you were our first guest, number one, uh, a little over a year and a half ago. And here we are in 2019, and we are at episode 100. All right, I'll shoot for 200 too. <laughs> Let's next do time. it, every 100 <laughs> episodes. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Appreciate it. There's been a lot of requests for Tony Brunelli to come back over the past several months. Um, every time I put out a clip or something, people ask if we could get you back. So I have a lot of relatives. <laughs> I figured, I figured. So tell us what you've been up to. Um, you know, it's really kind of more of the same. Uh, I've been really busy with the uh, painting schedule. Um, I've been working on two commissions for the last year. I hopefully have them finish in the summer. And then on the other, I'm wearing another hat with the gallery. You know, my brother and I own our own gallery, so we've just finished the art fair season. And, um, you know, that's pretty... It's pretty exhausting. Um, so, um, nice quick visit to Binghamton, and uh, you know, go back to Florida for a couple months. Great. So, when you talk about these, the art fair, this is where uh, galleries from all around gather, and then people come to purchase art. Yeah, you know, the 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 art market has really changed, and the um, the model that was is no longer. I mean, people still have galleries, but there's less and less um, activity and um, commerce going in and actually a brick and mortar. And for whatever reason, people like the art fair model. It's, a, it's an event. You know, we're really becoming a very experiential society. We like experiences, which I, I'm all for. You know, I, I don't particularly like packing up all of your great, wonderful artwork, putting it in a truck, going, setting it up in a tent sometimes. You'd love to just say, I've got this beautiful gallery that I've you know, built and paid for, and uh, we'd rather have them come there. But it's, it's not, it's not what, what is, is in existence right now. So um, there's an excitement when people come there. But still, there's only a really small percentage of people that actually buy. So you're, you know, like a Miami Art Fair, which is the biggest art fair of the season. Okay. Um, that's the first week in December. And you'll see 80,000 people. I mean, 80,000 people. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I don't see 80,000. I don't even think I've seen 80,000 people in my entire existence come to Binghamton right. over, since we've been open. So, you know, you're really seeing a lot of people. And Miami is a very international city. So you're getting people from all over the world. You're getting a collector base. And they're getting exposed to your work. So you really try to get their email address uh, and their phone number and, uh, so that you can start, you know, marketing the work. We only take, uh, you know, names and, and, and people, people who are really interested. And, you know, that's really how you're building the, your clientele now. You know, I know you've done trade shows, you know, since you've been in the business you're in, and so you really know what you're talking, you know, what I'm talking about. And, um, you know, and then you just nurture these relationships. It's all about a, a relationship. I mean, right now, the, you know, because you start becoming friendly with the galleries, it's always the same galleries, and we're all in the same boat, we're all commiserating. And, you know, the interesting thing is the days of uh, competition are done. 
you know, and it, it harkens back to, um, uh, I've read a lot about Darwin and the survival of the fittest and how we've tried to, we've been using that, that model. And it actually really is not really what, that was just a very small portion of, uh, you know, the, the writings of Charles Darwin, very, very small. And what we're really finding out is that it's not competition. And competition is actually probably the worst thing that you can do. You, you're not competing against somebody. You really want to bring them in. Because in the end, we're all created from the same source, and we're all one. And so if you're going to be competing with somebody, you're actually competing with yourself. Um, so it's amazing what's happening with that environment. So there's good and bad. And, and the great thing is these galleries, I, we've got so many friends now who are gallerists. And we literally, like, so John and I play, have, we have pieces out in Palm Springs, California, at a beautiful gallery, Imago Gallery. We also have pieces on Worth Ave in Palm Beach with Gallery Biba. So we just split the commissions, and we're all about selling the artwork for the artists. And now we have exposure on Worth Ave, and we have exposure in Palm Springs. And they love it, and we love it, so it's, it's really kind of this win-win situation. So the days of... You know, oh, I've got to go up one up this next gallery, or it, it's it it's really really uh, fading away, and that's that's really a good thing. You know, we just actually sold a couple of pieces on Worth Ave, and uh, you know that that's it's really exciting. It's exciting for us. We don't really care about splitting, splitting a commission because it's all about selling the work. You know, you want to just keep constantly selling the work for the artists. You know, I hate to talk about the commerce side of it, but in the end, an artist creates work. They want it to be sold. They want it to be enjoyed. They want it to be in somebody's home. And, um, you know, that, that's happening, and you have to do these art fairs. So, um, albeit tiring and expensive, it's, it's well worth it in the end. Interesting. I'm glad you brought that up about competition as well, because I think if you think about it, we're seeing this in virtually every, every yes. industry, right? If you think about the music industry, musicians are collaborating. So, you know, you'll get two major musicians doing a song where we never saw that in the past. Um, even in the sports world, if teams want to go to China, you know, China wants to bring them or to Europe or bringing soccer here to the U.S., you know, it's that collaboration. It's, it's everywhere, and I see it in the podcast world, too. Oh, yes. People go on different people's podcasts, support each other. It's just much more collaborative, and in the end, everyone wins. Yeah, you know, um, so to, to kind of get back to, to the Darwin, because I've, I've done a little bit of research about it, because you're like, you know, when you grow up, you're, you're taught these things, you know, and sometimes things resonate, and sometimes they don't resonate, and you say, I don't believe that this is the way it is. And I really think that, you know, if you're really authentic with your true self, even if it's the customary way of doing things and you don't believe it, you really should research it and, and experience it. And, and, and if you need be, you need to speak your mind about it. And the thing that I find out is, is that we live in a harmonious environment. Nature is harmonious. It's not competition. And so whereas you do have you know, the, 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 the tiger and the lion and then you've got the lowest thing of the ant or whatever, you know, it's a cycle and it's all harmonious. And it's really all about the balance of energy. And nature is the greatest example of, of that um, and, and how, how, it, how, it, how to live. And, um, you know, it, 
I don't know why this come. I, I, you know, I have a very short period of time here in Binghamton, so my brother and I, when I first got here, went up to the Walk in the Nature Preserve, which was the second, I think it was the second it's interview so, that you yes. did with us. Well, you're, you know it fairly, you, fairly well. And it's one of my favorite spots. So whenever I have a chance to come here, come back to Binghamton, I'm going to always try to make it, make it, make a trip. So on our, you know, as you're coming back in the very last part where you go after the bridge, yes. you know, um, the guy who kind of runs the nature preserve and takes care of it, him and two students, they were putting um, these cages around these trees. And so, of course, John and I asked, what, why are you doing that? And we didn't really, like, look forward. We just looked at what they were doing because you're, like, you know, putting a cage around a tree. And it's the beavers. Um, the beavers are literally, and then we looked up, and they're literally decimating the forest. And so we're, he's like, I, you know, he's like, I'm going to have to literally, to save this, this, this ecosystem, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to, to put the cages around the trees. And um, he's like, I said, well, what are the other options? I said, can you move the, the beavers? He's like, if I move them, another family will come. And they'll do the same thing because what, what has happened is, is that in that particular area, because it's very close to the campus and, and, and the deer have, because there's an over-migration of deer and there's a, a huge population of deer which are spreading all the ticks, they're eating all the stuff that the beavers normally eat. And so the beavers are doing what they can to, to take these trees down. I mean, there's trees down everywhere, and, and they're, you know. So they're taking the trees down to get to the... Yeah, and so, and then they're, they're taking the wood, and they're blocking up dams, and they're doing it in areas where it floods. And so it's like this whole system that... And then I, it dawned on me as I kept walking, and he said the, the last thing that I would have to do, which I don't want to do, is we might have to take the beavers and, and you know, and kill them. And, you, you know, as, as I'm into the environment, I'm into not hurting animals and all of that. But then I got thinking about it. I'm like, okay. Because um, he was telling us how you have to save other species. And it dawned on me. I was like, to be honest with you, you know whose fault this is all is? It's us as humans. They were there first. And if, if they didn't have all of this um, over building, because the right. campus kept expanding and expanding and expanding, which is part of progress and growth, um, then they wouldn't be doing what they're doing and you wouldn't have the overpopulation of deer, which we wouldn't have the overpopulation of the very tick problem, which causes the Lyme disease because the, the planet has warmed up. Um, you so know, it's actually our invasion of their space. That yeah, so now it. it's our problem that we are trying to have to fix. So like we, like, you know, we started the problem. We didn't know we started the problem. It's just part of our growth and our and in a way though, in the end, there is going to be a harmonious balance. And guess what? There's there's never going to be the right answer. Like if you were a strict environmentalist, a strict you know, animal lover, and you said you cannot do that, you cannot kill those beavers. Because I said to myself, Oh, I wouldn't want to do that, but then you really start thinking about it. Like really just sit down and, and take emotions out of it. You're like, something has to give. Something has to die, or something has to change, just like our life. You know, it's all about change. It's all about this evolution and constant change. It's what it's about. And there is this, 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 this balance, this, this harmony that has to happen. 
And um, the problem, what you don't want to do, is you don't want to go too far one way or the other, which is why we are seeing the problems that we're, that we're seeing in the environment, because we've gone too far one way. And that's the beauty of like universal laws and the way that nature works, is that in the end, nature's going to have its way. It's always going to have its way. So um, sorry to get off on that tangent, but it, but it was really, it kind of illustrates it. Like, it just happened, and it, re like it really affected John and I we, we, as we walked the rest of the way. You know, there's really no easy answer. There's no, like, okay, this is the answer that will work. Because ultimately, what caused it in the beginning was man's overpopulation. But you're not going to stop that. I mean, you can't. Right. So it's actually a really good problem to have because it's, it, it makes us be become creative. And um, makes us really start looking at what the real the reality is, and then there's no one easy answer. And you can't like that's like that's why I've like really tried to train myself to not be dogmatic in just about anything. I really want to have this radical openness with just about every aspect, and um, it's not always easy. It's it really isn't easy, but. Um, you just have to be mindful. You just have to be conscious of it. And you know, for me, the the key that's really helped me is meditation. You know, I do transcendental meditation. I do it twice a day, and you know, the benefits of that are just they're exponential, and they're they're the benefits are even not even they're not even things that you could even think about uh, when you first start it. They just happen. And for people that don't know what what it is. Can you talk about transcendental meditation? Yeah, transcendental meditation is a form of meditation that is uses a mantra. And the TM organization, tm.org, is, is, is a not-for-profit. It was started by the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi um, back in the 60s, I believe. And he's, an, he's, a, he's a Vedic Indian um, uh, physicist. He was a physicist before he became uh, uh, a yogi. And he, his teacher, uh, which I'm, I, 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 I can't think of the name or, or pronounce it uh, right now, but um, he told uh, Ma Maharishi that his next step would be to go to modern society and teach this technique to, to the contemporary man because they're going to need it. And this is ancient. This technique has been going on. All, only the yogis used to do it. But it's thousands and thousands of years old. And it's very, very simple. It's so simple that like, you don't even, you're, you say, when, you, when you realize and find out what it is, you, you just say to yourself, I don't understand how this could work. And in, in my opinion, because I've done all forms of, of different kinds of meditations, this is the easiest and most effective form of meditation that I've ever done. And um, you have to pay for it. Um, and, but they do have a lot of scholarships, and they have a lot of financial aid for people who don't. And David Lynch, actually the director, has his own foundation because he, he is desperately trying to get it into the schools and prisons because it's just doing wonders for both of those populations. And so um, he's raising money so that it could be done for free in those institutions. And that's re really, really wonderful. So you go for four days. 
um, you're given a mantra, you have to go through a little ceremony, you're given a mantra which you're never supposed to um, repeat to anybody. It's just yours. It, it's, it's just a, uh, it's not a word, it's just a, um, it's, it's just kind of like um, a tone, you know, um, and um, uh, you're supposed to do it twice a day for 20 minutes, as soon as you wake up and then sometime throughout the day. Are your eyes closed? Oh yes, your eyes are closed and the, the real key is, which it's funny because ironically my brother just started it today and um, the, uh, he, my brother's a really big researcher so before he went he was doing all these research so he's asking me all these questions and he had read a post from somebody who had been doing it for like 35 years and all of a sudden developed this anger problem and was wondering you know, on this thread, well, I don't understand. I've been doing TM meditations for 35 years. I don't understand why I've developed this anger problem because TM, it's it's it works immediately, but it the the more you do it over the period of time, the more you develop what's called a supermind, um, and um, it's so if somebody's been doing it for 30 years, they really should have a handle on the anger thing. And so um, there's a lot of different things that it could be, um, and you can't speak for anybody, but the response that John was reading in the thread, what he was getting back, is that most likely he was coming out of it too quickly. Mm -hmm. And so when you're done with your mantra, you do it for 20 minutes where you close your eyes and you slowly introduce the mantra in your head and you just keep repeating it over and over again and you let thoughts happen anything happen, you let sensations, you're not trying to get rid of thoughts, you're not trying to, to do anything other than repeat the mantra and relax. And you're, and you're not even supposed to focus on the mantra. Matter of fact, I was, for the first probably couple of months, because I, I, you, you keep going back to a re, every week to a renewal class, just to, just, if you really want to do it right, because it's very, it's so simple that it's very easy to do something just a little slightly off and that could be a big change. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna, not going to get the, the most bene- benefit out of it. And so probably, and they do tell you that if you come out of the meditation too quickly, it can, it can, it can, it can produce agitation. Because you know? when you're dealing with the brain and you're dealing with the neurology, it, you're, you're talking about a very, very um, delicate um, phenomenon and, and, and you know, your brain and all of that. So even something as a meditation, and people don't realize it, so they say no less than two minutes with your eyes closed after the meditation. You just stop, the med- you stop, the, stop it and just keep your eyes closed and you kind of just... You know, before you come out of it. Before you come out of it. And then you slowly open your eyes and just kind of sit there, kind of just collect yourself and, you know, and, and it's the most amazing sense of peace. So it's tm.org if people are interested? tm.org, yes. There's... Uh, there's, there's, organi- there's groups all over the world. You have it for life. You have the support system for life. You never have to pay again. Um, like if you want to go to retreats and special things, it's a, you know, whatever the fees are. But that, you know, that would be like with anything else. So like you, I, could, I could travel over to Europe or Asia or India or whatever, and if I wanted a refresher course or if I just wanted to go into the... Because they always offer speakers and they always have these really great things. Um, you could go. You can go. And even if you've, like, even I've known people that I've talked to that did it in the 70s and they don't do it anymore, um, all they, they don't have to pay again. All they have to do is go to a, a refresher course. 
and somewhere some somebody will have their mantra like the, it you know so if they forgot their mantra um, you know it's in the system and the mantra is yours for life um, so yeah it's really it's it I it's probably one of the most important parts of my day there I would not give it up. like I would give up just about everything else other than that hmm. you know and especially during those art fair weeks those are really like I have never missed Intense. I've never missed a session in, in a little over a year and a half now that I've been doing it I've never missed I've done twice a day I've never missed Wow I've come close like there was a time when we were doing the art fair in Miami and by the time the art fair finished and this happened and that happened I literally got home and it was 11.45 or 11.55 or whatever and I was like, I'm starting it. Now, I fell asleep before I finished it, but it, it, there are no strict rules about, like if you fall asleep, then it's meant your body's meant to fall asleep. And the interesting thing, here's what you find out, which most people don't realize, because I was actually just talking to somebody last night because we had the opening at the gallery last night and I saw some, some uh, artists that we represent and some other people. And uh, if you've ever been around me, I'm not going to forcibly bring up meditation, but somehow, some way, it magically always comes up because it's something that I feel is very, very important. And I really, it's a gift that I would like to give to somebody. Just the awareness. Now, because everybody has their own thing and has their own way that, about how they want to do it. But the thing, the myth that I want to always um, dismiss, because everybody talks about meditation, that I can't do it. And exactly this person said it. As soon as I said it, they're like, there's no way that I can meditate. So the, when I hear that, they obviously are not knowing what it is. Because it is the easiest thing that you can do. And it is the most relaxing. Matter of fact, it has been proven and they can even prove it with brainwaves that a session of TM is better than a full night's sleep. Hmm. And because they've done, like TM has been researched over and over and it's the only form of meditation that can be prescribed by a doctor. It is that powerful, it is that good. Um, it, it's, it's, now I, I don't, like I know I sound like I'm like this advocate for TM. Like you can like so I've heard some people say that they you know oh I don't like it it like it's like a cult or whatever and it it isn't really but if you want to be involved you you're involved in as much as you want so if you just want to learn the TM and the the thing you can never go you don't ever have to go again and just do it on your own and you'll you'll be fine um, but the the interesting thing about it is you're not trying to get rid of your thoughts you're not trying to get rid of everything you're not trying to do anything but just silently in your head repeat the mantra and what happens is naturally it's like a natural form I, I hate to use the word hypnosis of yourself but it's what you're doing is you're you're causing your system to gently slowly transcend and TM, so there's no thoughts no there you'll have like in in a year and a half that I've been doing TM there's probably I can count maybe on one hand the times that I've actually lost thought for a very small amount of time. You think about how, have, other than sleep, now I'm talking maybe 10, 15 seconds where I had no thought. Now, there, you know, there's people that maybe have, have had more or whatever, but that's quite a long time to not have a thought. Yeah. And to just, and so, um, and, the, and the problem is people start, once, the, once they have a really good, 
meditation session, people start trying to chase it. And that's the worst thing you could do. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I went into it with, like, I'm not, tr I'm not going to try to prove anything or do anything with this. I just want inner peace. I want, I want as much inner peace as I possibly can have. And I know that if you try to chase something, you just allow it to be. So there are going to be, there are going to be sessions where you're literally, like, you're thinking about the mantra or you're thinking about, you've got, like, this train of thought you just, you just really don't get rid of. Because you don't want to try to get rid of it because the harder that you try to do something, the more that it's going to, to, to come at you. Um, and there's probably been only, like, out of the year and a half, I'd say maybe 10 to 15% of the time, where I would call them like really deep, like it's so deep that you're just, like you, your body, like it, you can you can feel an an ultimate transcendence where you're like light, light. like there's a couple times where I literally felt like I was, I'm floating, like I was wasn't sitting, I wasn't on anything, I was just, it's an amazing feeling, and I can understand why people would want to chase it, but again, you can't, you just have to, and so if you are having a thought and you recognize that you're having a thought, the only thing they say to, to, in your mentally slowly do is just go back to the mantra. And if you forget the mantra in it because you're thinking too much, it's okay. If you fall asleep, it's okay. As soon as, soon as you have the awareness that either one of those things has happened, you just slowly introduce the mantra. And, it, and, and basically your inner system and your brain and your body work together and they transcend. It is. It's really one of the most peaceful, amazing things that I've ever done in my life. And, and what, what we were taught was that, and this is really interesting, and this will help people say that I can't stop my thoughts because one, you're not supposed to. Think of it this way. This, one, this was a game changer for me. When I learned what a thought was, what do you think a thought is? I'm not saying where it comes from, but what do you think a thought is? So when you go to the gym, what happens? What happens to your body? Prepare for. All right. So when you're working out, what's happening? What 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 are some of the the effects? Your heart rate okay. accelerates. And what else? You sweat. You sweat. Think of think of uh, the a thought as the mind's way of sweating. A thought is the mind's way of releasing stress. Isn't that amazing? So people who, th who are overthinking, they're just under a lot of stress. And so what they're doing is, is they start thinking about, oh my God, I'm thinking this thought, and this is a bad thought, and, they, and it just becomes, so you're getting more and more stressed. So if, can you imagine if you were on a treadmill, and you just kept going, you kept going, and you just were, kept chasing it, and chasing it, and chasing it? You'd, like, you'd probably eventually have a heart attack. Sure. But if you got on the treadmill, and you were sweating, and next thing you know, you just got in the zone, and you just let it go, and next thing you know, the timer's up, and you're like, oh my God, wow, you know, it, it, it happened. So a thought is literally just the mind's way of releasing stress. So, the, so in, an, in a meditation session, you shouldn't be mad if you have a lot of thoughts, because it is a, it is a wonderful thing. It's an absolutely wonderful thing, because it's your mind's way of releasing the stress that you have, because you're obviously... Think compulsively thinking, and that mind needs to get rid of it. So let it go, let it flow. And then it'll always be there, but it'll be there as a little distant murmur. And, and it's, 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 like I said, I, why I am so, um, so enthusiastic about it is because of what it did. It transformed my life. You know, I, 
go back and watch the first episode. We're not going to go into it if you want to know what happened to me and, and the, the terrible anxiety that I had after that accident. And I have to tell you that the, after the very first session of Transcendental Meditation, the, that anxiety went away and went away for, I, I haven't had it since. Now, I'm not saying you don't have temporary anxiety, because that's actually a function. It's a, it's a really um, positive function that you need to have. Like if you're driving and somebody swear, like you need to have certain forms of, of anxiety or stress when, when you're in a situation, like if you know there, that you need to get out of a situation. But as soon as you're out of the situation, you should allow it to go. And the, the interesting thing is, is that we don't do that with our, our thoughts. We let them keep ruminating and ruminating and ruminating. So I'm really glad you're talking about this because you and I talk a lot about awareness, being present, and I'd like to ask you, when you talk about thoughts and when you're thinking about awareness, if you're, if you're being aware and you're being present, but your thoughts are bringing you in the past, is, is that working against you? Um, well, you can't be present if you're ruminating and thinking about the past. You can be present if you, if you are present enough to know that you're thinking about the past. And so you say to yourself, oh, I remember when I did this, and you know, if you're if you're planning out something, or if you have a, you know, um, have a trip, whatever it is, if you if you're conscious and you're present that you're thinking about the past, I know it's kind of confusing. Um, then it's okay, but it should only be for a short period of time. The problem is, is that most people are living either in the past or the future, and when you're living too much in the past, is what creates depression, and when you're living in the future too much, it creates anxiety. And those are really great pointers. They're really wonderful. So you really have to look at them as gifts. I know it's hard for somebody that's in the, in the, in the throes of it. But one of the things that can help them is that that's their signpost. That, oh, if you have anxiety, if you have anxiety that just won't turn on, you're ruminating too much about the future and the outcome. And if you have depression or if you wake up and you just have this sullen feeling, you're probably thinking about, oh, I'm not good enough, I, I should have done this, the past, it's just, you know, oh, oh she left me, oh, oh my mom died, you know. Um, it's really, now look, it's easy for me to say because I've spent a lot of time working on this and I've spent a lot of time studying about different things, but really more importantly about meditating because the, the realization and I've been an artist my whole life, so it was easy for me to understand because there are times when I look at paintings that I've done in the past, I don't remember how I did, I did them. I don't know how I did them. And I've talked to a lot of artists about that because when you get into a flow state, there is no time. Time stops. And some, like something comes through you to create the piece. And I'm a big follower of Einstein. I love, I mean, Einstein's probably one of my favorite um, people that have ever lived. And, you know, I love the fact that he was a scientist that really had a spiritual side to him and, and, and basically said there's so much more we don't know 
than what we do know. And there's this spooky side that is, that is from outside of thought and outside of physical reality that is controlling just about everything. So creativity amongst everything, everything comes from nothing. Everything comes from stillness. It comes from the, um, the quantum, the field. There's a, there's a invisible, non-detectable field that has created everything. And it comes through you. So when it comes to like a painting, you can't think about doing a painting. And if you are thinking about it, it's because it came from silence at some point. At some point, and there's many times, especially the painting that I'm working on right now, because it's completely different than I've normally done. It's a nature scene. And it's a lot of trees that are on top of trees and top of trees with the light filtering through. It's large. It, it's been very, very challenging. Challenging in a good way, but still challenging. And there were times that I had to go because I had thoughts of like, I don't feel like painting today. And you set, you watch that and you're saying, where's that resistance coming from? And I was like, oh, I know where it's coming from. And you and I know, because we both talked about this and you're a writer, the best thing that you can do when you have resistance is go and sit your butt down in the chair in front of it or in, in the writing table or the computer or whatever you're doing. To have no intentions to do anything other than becoming present and sitting in front of it. And what does that do? It, 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 one, it makes you show up. And two, it puts you in the moment, in the present moment. Because in the present moment, which is all there ever is, and the thing that people don't really understand, and it's very, very hard to understand because I knew it took me a long time to comprehend it just even a little bit, is that all there will ever be is this present moment. You, the, the past and the future all exist in this present moment. There is no such thing as the past and the future. There's actually no such thing as time. Time is an illusion that was created uh, by the thinking mind. Because before the mind was really thinking, there was no time. Things just existed. And we, because our minds got bigger and, and greater and greater, we needed to find a way, which is evolution, we needed to find a way to navigate this. And so the concept of time was created. And so all, all things exist in this present moment. And uh, so if you're ruminating about the past or the future, you're not being in the present moment, which is all there ever is. And that's actually where everything comes from. So by sitting yourself in front of me, if I sit down in front of the easel, in front of the painting, I don't have to worry about anything else and I just get still. And so that's what I would do. I've done it a lot with this time where I literally just get myself in there and I don't think. I don't think. I literally just, I, I have this little mantra before I'm silent and I say, all right, universe, take over. Silence. And then I slowly proceed. And next thing you know, it's probably the best session I've ever had. And I have figured things out on this particular painting and got into flow states like in ways that I, 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 I can't even describe because you know it's, it's, it's my process and everything. And so that is a really wonderful thing. And this is a great example that all the knowledge we need is within. We all have of it. it, right? There is nothing outside of you. See, this... It's, this is so hard, and I get like so. I get a lot of blank stares when I start going down this road. But oh, we'll go down. People think I'm crazy. That's fine. I don't. I don't care because you don't come to these realizations from thinking about these things. You start with thinking because you're in you're in trauma or you're you're suffering, 
and you're doing whatever you can. And the way out of that is you start like, okay, I, I, how, I Google, how do I uh, get you know better? How do I do this? How do I do it naturally? That, that whole thing. And so you know, it led me to meditation and yoga and walking in the woods. And then I would read these these things about it. And then it was through the meditation that these things started to come out. And then I like I would read this concept and I would say, wow, that's I don't understand. I don't understand that at all. And so the more I tried to think about it, the harder, the farther away it got from me. And so when I, the more I started meditating, the more these things, like they, they would come in a meditation, or they would come immediately after a meditation, and I'd be like, oh. See, these are concepts you can't think your way through. You have to, you have to experience it. Just like, you know, what I really love, I, I really love to follow the Buddhist teachings. It's not a religion, it's just a way of life. But I really resonate with Buddhist teachings, because... In the Buddhist teachings, there is no mention of God. There is not even a term for God. They don't say there isn't a God. They don't say there is. They just realize that there is no word that could possibly comprehend what, whatever it is that has created all of this and us, which we are a part of that. And so this physical world, like I said in my first, is a playground for us. We are here to experience it, because you, because basically all we are is the awareness of everything, which is consciousness, pure consciousness. And so pure consciousness is, is what you are. So when somebody asks you what you are, you'll say, oh, well, I'm the, I'm the you know, founder, and I'm the host of American Real, and I'm a father, and I'm all that. Well, you're that in this physical avatar world. But in the end, it's all the just masks that you have literally just have been, either society has put on you, or you have said, this is what I am. In the end, you should say, I am just the awareness that I am. And when you come to that realization that you are just the awareness, and you are, like, you're the guy that literally you should, be the, you should be the cameraman, you should be the director, you should be the screenwriter, because you, you, you are all of that. You're the audience. And people have a tough time comprehending that. Like right now, it's aware, like, uh, consciousness is a very interesting thing. And everybody is acting out of their level of consciousness. And they're learning at their level of consciousness. So if, like, if I've given you books and you've given me books and whatever. And so um, you're reading at a level of consciousness that you're at. Now, here's the, the, the bent, because people get a little offended. Because I've had these conversations with people and they're like, I know you're more evolved than me and I know that you're probably smarter than me and it's the exact opposite of what I'm trying to say. Because I'm not. I'm not. Like, I'm not this smart guy. I am not, I'm not really evolved. I am just somebody who wants the truth. I just want, I want the ultimate truth. I don't even want my truth. I, I, every time I have a thought, I deny it. I deny it in such a way that I'm like, what if that's not true? What if it's not true? Like even the things that you would think are just have ultimate truth. I say to myself all the time, what if it's not true? What if it's not true? And if I hear somebody that says something and I immediately say, oh, I don't agree with that, I, tr I really try to train myself to say, what if they're right? And so in conversation, when I hear people being as dogmatic as I have been sometimes, I say, well, what if, what if, what if you're wrong? What if you're not right? What if they're right? Have you ever thought about that? And, and so uh, I had this discussion in Florida before I came up with a friend, an older friend. You know, and he's a, he's, a, he's a Vietnam veteran. 
And it was a really interesting com conversation. But, uh, and I love him. He is just such a wonderful guy. But he's very, I mean, he's like my father's generation, you know? They were brought up. Stuck in their ways. But we're all stuck in our ways. They're just stuck in their ways in, in their level of consciousness. You have to remember, they are baby boomers, and they were born from parents who probably went through the Depression. And so these are generational things that are passed on to us, and we, we don't even realize what is happening to us because we are so hypnotized by our own thoughts that are not even ours. Like some figure, like 95 to 98% of the thoughts that the average human being has is not even their own thoughts. And you're believing them. Meaning they came from... They came from somewhere society. else, somebody else, some, some, um, some, some uh, mechanism that, of like, control. Like the movie The Matrix is just a wonderful thing because it's like it really kind of illustrates it in a movie form what really is happening. Like you literally have this the downloaded imprint that you are using. And so, and it's all about the past because it's the only way that the mind works. The mind does not work on any other thing than the past. It is like this computer. It's literally what it is. It's a computer and when you type it in, it literally doesn't think about new things. It thinks about what happened in the past. So, and it, and it, and it, and it interacts with your internal system. So your, your, um, uh, lymphatic system, your, your sensory system, your emotions, and all of that. And they're all intertwined. And so um, when you realize that the, they are all intertwined, and one single thought could start your heart racing, and next thing you know, your heart racing th releases cortisol, and, you know, and all of these things are happening over a thought that isn't even your own thought. It's not even your own thought. And you have literally created these. It's why we get sick. It's why we get diseases. It's why we get in accidents. All of these things are, are, can lead to, to these kind of um, um, issues. Because, so now I just, I look at, that's what's wonderful about going back to meditation is that it gives you the awareness. Just become aware of everything. Become aware of your surroundings. Become aware of what you're saying. Become aware of what you're feeling. Become aware of what you're, just watch them. You don't, and don't judge them. I, it's hard at first not to judge them. But I have to tell you, uh, you know, I've been working on this for five plus years. I've been doing transcend meditation, meditation for a year and a half. There's people that have been doing it for 40 years. I've talked to them. Guess what? You're never going to get rid of this stuff. You're never going to get rid of that voice. You're never going to get rid of those feelings. It's a lifelong process. It's a, well, it, it, when you really look at the reality of what it is, you can't because you're in this world. The only way that you'll get rid of it, probably, is when you're back to pure consciousness again. But then you're not living, this, this is just a wonderful life. This is, this is here for you, all of this stuff that you think is real. But this is 99.9% .9 space. You are 99.9% .9 space. It's just the most, when you really, it's mind-boggling, and I know people are going to be like, what is this guy talking about? But, because I was there, I remember, it made me feel so uncomfortable when I started re reading about this stuff and then it started coming up. And there were times I would have to just slow down and I'd have to put a book down and uh, be ready. Because, again, let's go back to it. It's, it. You're operating at your level of consciousness. And it doesn't mean that you're right or wrong. It's where you're at. Right. And guess what's going to happen when you realize and you have the awareness? Things are going to meet you with what, where you're at. So, if you're continually having these negative thoughts and you're continually having these ruminations of past 
or future, guess what's going to happen? Because consciousness and is, creates reality. The, all of this stuff creates your own reality. So in essence, and I know this is going to sound really far-fetched, but you have the power to create your own reality. Completely. Now, does that mean, that does not mean that, you, that you're going to say, I'm going to levitate or whatever, but somewhere, someplace, I believe that there is a possibility to do anything. Because I don't think, in my own opinion, based on, if you really look at what is happening, if you can think it, if you can dream it, somehow, some way it's possible, because it wouldn't have come into the existence. Because anything that ever was, is, and will ever be, is already there right now. It's already there. You're just, so what, you, so here's how I like it. So I'm only going by my own life and how I have kind of navigated this. And I'm, like, I'm at my infancy at this stuff. But it's exciting as hell to realize these things. These things that were never taught to us. These things that probably could never be taught. There's pointers that, and there's things that can be changed and things are changing which I think the most important thing is starting kids meditating, which is happening, because that will really get into it. Because basically, the biggest addiction in the entire world right now, what is it? Hmm. Bigger than heroin? Bigger than anything? Success? Chasing success? Thinking. Hmm. Overthinking is the biggest... Uh, addiction that human beings have. It's, it's, it's the thing that has created all of the suffering and the problems, the wars, all of that. Because people believe their thoughts. They absolutely believe them 100%. And if, you're, if your thoughts are not even your own, most of the time, you're not even living your life. You're living somebody else's life. And you're living somebody else's life whose level of consciousness has not expanded. And there's a new book that I'm reading, which I just gave you, and which Peter Sage just uh, talked about on his podcast that is just, now it's blown my mind. And that book wouldn't have come to me if I wasn't at my level of consciousness, because that book, to read that book, most people probably would not, would think, oh, this is just, you know, this stuff is not possible. I don't understand how this stuff could possibly work. There's no way that that works. But I have to tell you, in the short period of time that I've been reading that book, some crazy things have been happening. And I'm not, and you're not, like, here's the wonderful thing about this. You're not trying to do anything. See, that's the one, that is really the, that is the real reality about life and the human existence, as well as any interaction that we have. In the end, the more that you try to, to be something, the less you're going to be your authentic self. And, and, and so, you, so really the word is surrender. And that's a tough word for a lot of people, especially somebody who was a former military or whatever, because the idea of surrender is in their head, because their mind is thinking about this. It's, giving it's, up. It, it, it is a giving right. up. Yeah. But it's not. Surrendering is just allowing to whatever is to be and accept it as is. So that, so I've had people say to me, oh, well, then, so I'm in a, I've been in an abusive relation or such and such has been in an abusive relation. They should just, just take it. And I'm like, uh, absolutely not. The awareness that you are in this abusive relationship, that you surrender to what your feelings are, 
and surrendering. So why do people stay in abusive relationships? Because they're th- they're, there's a thought pattern that has been handed down to them. Well, this is what my mother did, or this is what my fa- this is what they did. I have to do this. The religion. I, I was raised a Catholic. I was, the guilt was just put into you like crazy. Oh, well, you have to stay in that marriage. You have to. This, is, this, you, this marriage was sanctioned under God. The problem is, is that, no, it wasn't. This, so if you're with the wrong person, then it, it's, it's really, that's why in the end, it's really about being your authentic self without worrying about what anybody thinks about you. And the more that you surrender to that, I'm not talking about somebody else. You're not surrendering to another human being. You're surrendering to yourself and to the situation. And you're seeing what, this, what is happening. And then when you are in that state where you're not thinking about a solution, but you're allowing the solution to travel through you, you're going to find the situation that's going to raise your level of consciousness. And you're going to make the right decision or you're going to say the right thing. Or you're going to get out of that relationship somehow, some way. And, you know, it's a little dicey because if there's physical violence, then it's, then it's you know, there's got to be things that um, um, you really have to watch out for. But in the end, honestly, you wouldn't have gotten into that, that relationship if you had the awareness to begin with. That's why most people who get married, like I, Peter Sage blew me away in that last uh, interview where it's like 3% of of couples that are really happy after, you know, a certain amount of time. I would have gotten that totally wrong because I would have been what you, I think you said 50 and if you, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, uh, 10, 15% less than that. But, but he's, 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 he's right in the end because people are living out of a level of consciousness where in which they actually bring that energy to him. So now that book, the Transurfing book, really explains what's going on. I've never had it explained to me in such a way. And he talks about how we get wrapped up in these pendulums. Because pendulums are basically a negative form of energy. It's almost like an entity and that just captures. And so, and a pendulum likes groups. And so, think about it. Because I'm really aware of this stuff now. And I'm, I'm really, really fine-tuning my awareness around this. You know, you and I were with a bunch of guys, or say you're, say you're with a, 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 at a party. And somebody brings up, did you hear about so-and-so? And they're like, no, tell me. And you're like, they were cheating on this or this happened or whatever. And next thing you know, you're like, you're, you're caught. The pendulum's got you. And next thing you know, you'll be like, what else happened? And you know what? And then you're going to say, I heard about so-and-so. Did you hear what they did? And next thing you know, it becomes this whole thing. And the pendulum loves it. And the more people that the pendulum can get into their uh, group, the stronger it becomes because it's this energy that needs it. It just needs, it feeds on that energy. And so it it literally was so liberating because I now I'm like, now everything that I do. So let's talk about a situation to help people. Yeah. You're in that same situation that happens. What do you do? What, What do you think you do after what we've just talked about in this short period of time? Don't respond or walk away. What, do something better. What if you can't turn the conversation around? What if, what if you can't respond? What if you can't walk away? Okay. And what if you can't respond? Because somebody's just, you know, all right, think. Go, go, I would say what you said. Well, maybe, you know, just the opposite. Maybe that didn't happen. 
You know what you do? And you do this with every single thing that comes in your life, whether it's a thought, emotion, or whatever. You just become aware. And so you know what I do. So here's the little trick that I do, because I think I know what you're trying to do, something that will really help somebody. This may not help, but it could help 10 people. So you know what I do in those situations? I literally go like this. So I leave my body here, and I go up, and I just start looking at everything. And I start looking at the person. I start hearing what they're saying. I don't make a judgment. I start looking at the room. I start looking at expressions on the other people's faces. I just become extremely present and become extremely aware of the situation. And I have to tell you, a lot of times, that energy can change a situation, as long as the pendulum is not too big. If you're in a, a, a group situation and the pendulum's very, very strong, there's not a lot that you can do. What if it's one-on-one? -on -one? You can diffuse a situation very easily by, one, listening and not saying anything, or two, coming at them with love. If somebody's really, really angry, can you imagine how you could diffuse a situation and says, you know what? You seem really, really, really angry and in pain right now. Is there anything that I can do for you? Is there anything that I can do? Or, or better yet, give him a hug. I had a friend, a very, very close friend, who has uh, a bipolar disorder. And he wigged out on me one day. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I literally sat there. And I, don't even, I didn't even have the awareness that I have now. Something just came over me because I was so afraid. I was so afraid for my friend that I just, I just thought about love. And next thing you know, I embraced him. And he cried in my arms for about five minutes. And he just squeezed me tight, and that's all he needed. So in the end, all we are ever really searching for is a connection. All of us. And I don't care who you are or what you are or what status you are. It's all an illusion. It's all a game. It's all just the, the, this hierarchy of how we place people here or we do things. In the end, that person, in their quiet moment, if they're having pain, it's because they're not feeling connected. And that's really what it's about. So, so what you really should do for yourself, if you're in that point, is, is you just want connection. And sometimes you're in a position where you, you can't have the connection for whatever reason. You just connect to yourself. Because in the end, that's the really first thing. So to get out of that feeling of needing to, needing to be connected, you could just, that's why I think meditation, again, is so important because it gives you the inner strength to just connect with who you are in your surroundings. So that's really what meditation's about. It really trains you to just connect to the... And, and so that is a form of connection. It's a form of connection. When you, when you connect without your thought, your brain, or like... So I'm not saying you're going to be able to stop your thoughts, but you can just allow it to be there. You know, I, I, every single day, Roger, every single day, I get into that mental chatter every single day. Every single day I have thoughts about I'm going to get sick or, or this or this lack thought or whatever. You just have to. So 
I'm lucky because the, aware, the awareness I have now, I don't, let it, I don't let it get too far at all. I'm like, okay. I'll, there's a number of different things that I do for different situations that I literally just, you know. And another great book is the Michael Singer book, The, the Untethered Soul. Phenomenal book. It's, an, it's, 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 a, it's probably one of the single greatest books I think I've ever read. And I give that book all the time. And I've given it to a, a, a couple different people that literally have called me up and said that they've had spiritual awakenings reading, just reading the book. Because most people don't really have these concepts. And if you're really caught in the, your mind, you, you, just, you wouldn't even... Which most people are. Mo and most people it, it, are. Right, sure. Yeah. It's the there's biggest, nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's... It's, it, 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 no, it's... Other than becoming... If you can become aware of it... That's it. It's all you ever need. Right. The awareness is all you ever need in anything. Like, you're not trying to become a better person. You're not trying to, um, you're not trying to evolve. Here's the wonderful thing. You don't have to do anything but be aware. That's it. it. That's, like, there's, like, like, we could have entered in the interview. We could have had a five-minute interview where I'm like, it, it's all, it's just awareness. So spend your time doing whatever you can to develop your, you know, it's like a muscle. Develop this muscle of awareness. And that will solve everything. Like, that will bring unbelievable amounts of wealth if that's what your, your desires are or, 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 or whatever it is. Great health is just continually keep being in the present moment, being aware of the situation. And so what will happen is, because all we are is energy anyways, and everything about us are energy, is that we're going to just vibrate at the energy and that law of attraction will happen and you'll attract what you are giving off, what you're sending. And so that is really how it, it works. Like you are, you are a, basically all you are, all we are as a human form other than the, like the, what I'm saying, the physical form, is you are a receiver of energy and you're a transmitter of energy. So, and you're doing, like they're both working at the same time. They're both, it's just this, it's just this wonderful play. So when you start realizing that this is the game that I'm, I've put myself in with this thing called life, then it's like, it's actually kind of fun. And so even those situations that you call really challenging, they become great tools because you somehow have brought that in your life. You needed that in your life. Because guess what's on the other side of that fear? It's what you're looking for. And all you have to do is go through it. Allow it to go through you and, and, and do it. Not, I'm not saying you're not going to have the fear, but just don't let the fear get the best of you. Because I fear about a lot of different things, you know? Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. At American Real, we're on a mission to help as many people around the world fulfill their dreams and obtain their goals. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook 
or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me at Podcast Your Passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.